You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For those of you listeners who know my background a bit, you might remember the stories of my first few jobs after college. From being a mall cop to selling makeup door to door, I realized that I had skills that were being underutilized and that these minimum wage jobs couldn't support me or last forever. I spent years going through YouTube, reading books, listening to podcasts, and taking enough online courses to reinvent myself as a professional copywriter and digital marketer. Years later, thanks to my side hustles and drive, I've worked with national news outlets, multi-million dollar tech startups, nonprofits, and celebrities to build their brands and drive sales. None of this could have happened if I didn't develop in-demand skills. I had to do this alone, but you don't have to. You have Hustlers University 2.0. Hustlers University 2.0 is a community where you can learn real skills to earn money online today, starting with side hustles you can use to elevate your game. I'm not just an advocate for Hustlers University. I'm also a student. Every professor is verified to be making 10K to 500K monthly in their selected field. You get full resources, lesson plans, and an active community of thousands of other Hustlers University students working on skills such as stock analysis, cryptocurrencies, e-commerce, copywriting, which was my favorite course, one I actually went ahead and took last month. And as a copywriter of seven years, I even took a ton out of that, including some of the resources I was able to take over to my day job. You also learn freelancing, financial planning, affiliate marketing, business management, and so much more. If you're tired of depending on a boss who hates you to deliver your paycheck or have learned since the lockdowns that controlling the source of your income is vital to your individual freedom, sign up for Hustlers University 2.0 today using the link in the show notes. I'll see you there. Dave Ramsey Show, where cash is king, debt is dumb, 
And the paid-off home mortgage has replaced the BMW as the status symbol of wealth. You can go ahead and call in now. They say the price of the advice is what you paid for it. I love Dave Ramsey. I feel like the people that criticize Dave Ramsey get personal about it. I have nothing but admiration and respect for Dave Ramsey. When I discovered Dave Ramsey, uh, I had basically blown away all the major royalty checks that came from both of my books. As I, uh, as I said um, on, the, uh, on an episode way back, I used my first paycheck, my first couple big royalty checks, because royalty checks get smaller if you're an author sometimes, unless you're big, unless you get like a movie. For me, all my royalty checks got smaller and smaller over time. And now I'm just happy when I get one in the mail. I don't even, I don't even list them as like a major source of, of income anymore. But my first big one I, I spent on a trip to Iceland. And uh, my second one, I, I basically just blew that money on, honestly, like comic books and Uber Eats. Uh, and I'm not talking like regular Uber Eats. Like I was getting Uber Eats delivered from Maryland into D.C. over to New York Avenue where the Washington Times building was, which always added way more um, fees and stuff to my Uber Eats meal. But I was also working in the night newsroom. So, you know, sometimes you just want your Chinese food at 9 o'clock at night. Hey, I was a nocturnal animal for those of you who have seen uh, seen the new Batman Welcome back to On the Run and Rumsa W. Martinez. Uh, today, I'm going to go ahead and talk to really my, my longtime listeners because the, the thing that I want to get across here is that I'm not somebody who is a millionaire. I'm not, I'm not close to that. The whole point of the show since way back, way back in episode one has been, this is my journey trying to get to complete financial freedom by the time I'm 40. I'm, I'm 27 now. I had to guess for a second. I'm 27 now. So my goal by 40 is to be a millionaire and to be financially independent and not to stop working, sipping margaritas on a beach in Mexico but to work on things that I want to do and not have money be a factor. And uh, I, I think I've changed the way that I, I view time, the way I view labor, and the way I view money and our markets and everything. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a different person than I was in, in episode one. Go back and listen to episode 200. I feel like 200, uh, which came out last month, is kind of a a milestone episode, not because it's just our 200th episode, but because it also, I, like I talked about the things I was insecure about. I talked about the accomplishments that made me proud and it, it's really setting the course for where we're going. But it, you know, it's, it's okay to change your mind. It's okay to admit when you don't believe things that you used to believe. And, um, this show has helped me keep myself accountable for many of my goals, a lot of them professional, a lot of them personal, a lot of them having to do with finance because money touches every aspect of your life. And if you don't have money, you don't have access to your time. And if you don't have access to time, you don't have access to choices. And if you don't have good access to choices, your options become minimal. And if you have minimal options, you don't get the best to select from. And then you really have to ask, how much freedom do you really have in your day-to-day life? 
but uh, you know, I, I, I am miles and miles better and more successful now than I was with episode one. And, uh, you know, it's sometimes I just want to, I, I don't, I don't want to put on airs. Like I don't want to, I don't want to make you guys think that I'm, I'm something I, I'm not. And I think a lot of people, they, 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 they come at my approach to money in two ways. Either I'm the person that's saying, you know, buy the dip, invest in risky crypto, or I'm the person who's telling you to cut up your credit card. The, the truth is I'm, I'm, I'm more in the middle of that. But I, I, wanted, I, I wanted to basically explain what you're getting from me, because especially if you're a new listener, it's important you know where I stand on certain things, because in future episodes and when you go back and listen to some past episodes, you need to know where I'm coming from, because none of what I say is definitive. I'm primarily saying that for legal reasons. You can't sue me. I'm a magic person on the Internet. You don't even know if I'm real. So see this all as entertainment. But for those of you who know what's up, hint, hint. I, I just want to let you know that I come at things from my own experiences and I've come to my own conclusions on things. And ultimately, the only person that can make the best decision for you is you. So I recently came to a decision recently, which came after uh, a bit of looking into something I was interested in for a while. For longtime listeners, you know that I love Dave Ramsey. I even did an episode a while back where some of you thought that I was really going to rip Dave Ramsey, but I said, um, you know, there, there was a Motley Fool article I agreed with, which basically claimed that Dave Ramsey's advice for investing is probably not the most, I'm going to make up a word, not the most guaranteeest way to becoming wealthy. And, um, you know, first off, I want to say my, my issue with some of the stuff Dave Ramsey says has nothing to do with whether it works or not. And, and because everything he says works. Now, let, let's take that into, you know, the, the, this situation. Let's talk about it. Dave Ramsey's entire program is less based around numbers and math and equations, like some people think of when they think of finance, and it's more based on psychology and behaviors. The prime example is how to pay off debt according to the Ramsey method. You have the snowball method, and you have the aval- and you have the avalanche method for paying off debt. The snowball method, admittedly, according to Dave Ramsey, does not take into account interest. The snowball method involves taking the lowest amounts of debt you have and paying them off. So as you begin to chip away at the small debt and it keeps growing and growing, you're getting the psychological boost saying you're getting a lot of debt knocked out. And eventually when you have your bigger debts to pay off, it's less intimidating. And the studies have shown it from Dave Ramsey supporters and Dave Ramsey critics, people who do the snowball method will end up paying more than the initial debt the initial balance of the debt over time because they're taking into account the debt size versus the interest you pay on the debt. But those people going through the snowball method are more likely to have their debt paid off completely. Whereas the avalanche method is how you pay off the money the fastest and how you end up having to spend less because you're targeting the interest on certain pieces of debt. The issue with that 
is that that becomes overwhelming for people and that when compared to the snowball method people, the avalanche people were less likely to have their debt paid off at all. I mean, if I mean, may, maybe they were able to pay it off, but you're less likely to succeed doing that than if you go with the snowball method. So things like that, Dave Ramsey has really targeted in, like, what is the best way to help people succeed and stay out of the mess that they initially got into? And, and that is what goes into his baby steps, which are also behavior-based. You know, the first one being save up a $1,000 cash emergency fund. The second step being, um, you know, pay off all your debt using the snowball method. Uh, step three is building a, a three to six month emergency fund. Step four is beginning to contribute 15% of your monthly take home into growth stock mutual funds. The fifth step being uh, begin to contribute to your child's college fund. And then the sixth step being, um, you know, paying off your home mortgage. I don't know if I said seven steps or not, but those are the six. Those are the six. And people who do that change their lives. Getting out of debt is one of the best things you can do. I remember when my fiance finally paid off all of her consumer debt. It's like a, a giant boulder had been lifted from her shoulders and she could finally breathe again. And I've seen that with so many other people who have paid off debt. Debt is, debt is cancerous. You never want to be in debt to anybody. But the best thing about it is that the people that usually go through the, the baby steps, they usually stay out of debt and then they can actually begin to fulfill their goals and they're living life more on their terms. The thing is, though, is that Dave Ramsey has figured something out. Dave Ramsey has figured out two things. One is that Americans are mostly financially illiterate. The amount of people, if you listen to any of his shows during the call-in section, a majority of the people are making what those of you who listen to this show would identify as basic mistakes. Putting money into extremely risky investments, buying things that you know you can't afford, Going into debt to get something that you know you shouldn't have. Making impulsive decisions. He, he recognizes the, that that's a lot of people. And you see it by the numbers all the time when you look at American consumer debt. Consumer debt. Consumer debt is entirely self-inflicted. People complain about student loans, but consumer debt, especially the people that have student loans and have consumer debt, come on. But what he also found is that not only are they financially illiterate, but they're impulsive. People will borrow from the future to pay for today. It's not just individuals. Our government does that. So you have impulsive, financially illiterate people. And Dave Ramsey's whole promise, and he delivers this 100% of the time, is if you go ahead and do what I'm recommending now, you follow those baby steps, and you don't veer from the path, and you do exactly what I say, when it's time for retirement, and you're collecting your Social Security benefits, and you're taking money out of your 401k and your Roth IRA, that you will be not... He, he, he's, he, he teeters on this. You'll, I mean, being a millionaire, that's if you started really investing and paying off debt early. That, that's, that's the dream for most Americans, thanks to the magic of time and compound interest when they're investing. 
but at least you'll be able to not have to work full time. At least you'll have more options. At least you'll be able to pay the bills and you won't be on the street. If you just do those things, he can't guarantee you'll be a millionaire by the time you retire and start taking out your contributions, but at least you'll be able to live a life of dignity and moderate comfort. That's all good. I have no criticism of any of that. Here's why, and you saw the the title of the episode, why I cannot be a Dave Ramsey certified financial coach. I actually really thought about being one recently, and I've met a bunch, and I think it's awesome, and I want something extra to my name, so that way when you guys listen to me, I'm coming with a little bit of extra credibility when it comes to finance topics, but maybe you'll want to hire me. I made the decision not to go through with it for a handful of reasons, and I'm going to go ahead and list those reasons off now. We're going to get to most of them, maybe all of them, but here are the main reasons. The first one is I use the devil's plastic. That's right, credit cards. Dave Ramsey says you can live a life without credit cards. I would like to see you apply for a loan or try and buy anything big, which usually requires a loan, without a credit card. That, that's an issue. The issue that Dave Ramsey has of credit cards, I, you know, he, he says that he's against them for biblical reasons in terms of you know, the concept of debt. Uh, more, more logically, it, it comes down to the fact that he identified, and he's identified correctly, that because people are financially illiterate and because people are impulsive and because people do poor financial planning, that when they get access to a credit card, it's going to basically like heighten their worst habits. That's very much true. I don't think a lot of people, a lot of adults, nonetheless the teenagers who get credit cards, I don't think a lot of them are responsible enough to own one. I think you have to have a understanding of what it is you're using and the responsibility that comes with a credit card if you're going to go ahead and take on any kind of debt, whether for a minute or for a month. Um, I use credit cards... You know, I've almost always exclusively paid in cash or with a debit card. But, you know, recently, especially if you heard about the Cash App fiasco, um, I'm using my credit card more often. And I'm also benefiting from the cash back from that. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like I'm still using it much like I would be paying in cash. I'm only spending what I know I can immediately pay off in that moment. Uh, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't like to uh, have anything more than a zero balance with each statement. So I'm not using a credit card like what some people do, where they're only paying off the minimums and they're allowing the interest to accrue and that damages their credit score. And then, you know, they, they have all this credit, but they never pay off the balance and they're just being a slave to the credit card. No, make your, make your money a slave. Don't be a slave to your money. Dave Ramsey says you shouldn't even touch it. I'm saying, like all things, use responsibly. <laughs> so, you know, right there, I am, I am committing a mortal Ramsey sin because I, I have a credit card. And I'm not, not using my credit card. I've gotten to the point where I can trust myself with one and where I know what I'm doing and I'm financially literate and I'm responsible. I can use a credit card. But Dave Ramsey says no one should. Secondly... 
single stocks. I, I, I mentioned this in the previous Dave Ramsey episode where he covered a Motley Fool article criticizing his investment tactics. Dave Ramsey says that he has found a way to basically invest into gross stock mutual funds that are the only way that he believes is a responsible and financially sound way for people to invest regularly monthly and you know ba- basically outperform the S&P 500 two things i don't like about that one he's never actually as far as i'm concerned i could be wrong about this but i don't think i am he's never actually said what those growth stock mutual funds are i i invest in a mutual fund which meets or outperforms the S&P 500. There are a lot like that. But he's saying that he invests in some that regularly outperform the S&P 500. With that said, though, he also says that buying single stocks is like gambling. He also lumps in ETFs into that. Now, I, I would agree with him. The problem with single stocks isn't how you interact with them. It's the intention you have behind them. I know people that as soon as they open a Robinhood account, attempt to day trade. And 99% of day traders lose more money than they will ever gain long term. They gamble with it. They buy things without having any understanding of it. They go into money like it's a game instead of having a goal. That's the issue. And he doesn't like ETFs because he's like, well, you know, your, your mutual fund is safer and it's got more stuff keeping it in a uh, sounder portfolio where if you want to go into ETFs, you're pegged to the stock market. And if you want to rise and fall of the stock market and make impulsive decisions, bad decisions, go buy ETFs. And he's not entirely wrong of that criticism, but that's one way of looking at it, though, because I've seen my mutual funds go up and down and up and down and up and down, and I, I invest in ones that I think are, are probably more conservative than they probably should. I should probably diversify into some more aggressive ones, but I, I own ETFs and I own single stocks. These are companies that meet my personal goal in terms of what I'm looking at financially. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting what I want out of it. If you know what you want, and if you have a goal, and if you're a long-term investor, which means you're in it for the long haul, I don't know why having a brokerage account in which you own single stocks and ETFs can't be part of your portfolio. I think, you know, having a well well-rounded portfolio in which you're taking advantage of your 401ks, your IRAs, uh, you know, a mutual fund here and there, and uh, a brokerage account in which you're investing in individual stocks for companies that you like, as well as ETFs and, and, you know, good ETFs that you like. I don't know why those have to be so distant from each other. Because his criticisms aren't wrong. It's just that that's just one way of looking at it. But like I said, everything that he's, his, his, his buyer persona, let's say, is all about getting financially illiterate, impulsive people who make bad money decisions to stop doing that. So it's kind of like taking a recovering gambler into a casino. It's probably not going to work out well. But what about the rest of us? 
it's you know at Liberty University we used to call it the the issue of or something like that the issue of the big brother little brother complex the big brother identifies the temptation or the sin but he goes into it because he knows that he won't let it overwhelm him whereas the little brother understands that if he were in the same environment he would let the sin or this temptation overwhelm him Dave Ramsey's looking for the little brothers the people that really need the help I personally don't need the help with that. Next is cryptocurrencies. (laughs) RamseySolutions.com has written extensively about why they tell their folks that they should never touch that magic internet money, Bitcoin, or other cryptocurrencies. I have done an episode way back. You can find it in, in in the show feed when you go back and look at old episodes you could type i think it's called um why some people should not own bitcoin i 100 percent agree and much like other investments you should always assume that you're at risk of losing some if not all of your capital dave ramsey's approach is what i call the, the boomer attitude towards cryptocurrency it's pegged to nothing it's too complicated for most people to understand We don't know who owns it. You can't buy a Coke with it. Those aren't wrong. Those are valid criticisms. But if you're going out reading the Satoshi white papers, telling people that they're shills for keeping their Bitcoin on Coinbase, and you're actively trying to find ways to convert your cash into crypto at your local Rocketcoin ATM... I think you're probably responsible enough to understand that Bitcoin is, as many very intelligent, savvy investors have called it, is digital gold. We're not going to get into all that. We've done enough episodes about Bitcoin. We'll still do more in the future. But the thing is, is that Dave Ramsey is telling you what also Warren Buffett is telling you, which is don't touch it. I'm saying is if you're in a position where you don't have debt, where you're investing and saving properly, where you have decent cash flow, why not get into Bitcoin? I think it's Michael Saylor who said it, which is it's a better decision to have some Bitcoin, even a small amount, than to have no Bitcoin long term. We did an episode of Chris Galt a while ago, uh, back in December, January, titled um, Does Bitcoin Hate Poor People? (laughs) Go listen to that if you want to learn more about this topic. And then finally, it's the issue of cash flow. He talks about how to get out of debt. He's telling people, take an extra job. Don't go inside a restaurant unless you work there. Uh, sell so many things that the kids think they're next. And, um, you know, eat beans and rice and rice and beans. Sometimes he'll say, you know, go drive Uber or something. What I, used to, what I miss is I miss Chris Hogan. He used to be on his network. Chris Hogan got canned because of a contract dispute. It was because he cheated on his wife, too. Uh, you can't find any trace of Chris Hogan on the Internet. Chris Hogan, if you're out there, please show, show, show proof of life. Please, Chris. Because Chris was turning people into everyday millionaires. But I digress. One of the best things that I discovered was a good way to keep my 9 to 5, regardless of what I was doing, but also fix my savings problem, fix my investing problem, fix a lot of my problems, wasn't that I was bad with money. That, that's what I realized when I was like really poor and had no money. I wasn't bad with money. I did not have a spending problem. 
I had an income problem. And as soon as my income problem was solved with more money, it solved all my other problems. Uh, You know, one thing that I think Dave Ramsey would disagree with is investing in, um, you know, is angel investing. Now, that's a whole other thing. It involves a ton of other risk. But, you know, investing in private equity rounds. I did an episode about a month ago saying why I invested in a local Milwaukee business. I think I'm going to get a good return on my money. I think I'm good at understanding how businesses work. I think I have good judgment in the business I chose to invest in. But much like individual stocks, much like crypto, much like a lot of things, Dave Ramsey would probably say that, and I think it's somewhat patronizing to a lot of his listeners who are a bit more financially savvy, that would be a bad idea. I would rebut that, Dave, I paid in cash. (laughs) Um, But, you know, we, we talk about entrepreneurship on this show so often about creating a side hustle so you could bring an extra five, you know, 500, an extra $1,000, an extra $1,500 a month. Not stuff that's going to make you a millionaire tomorrow, but why not set yourself up to be one maybe a couple years from now by learning new skills to get into a new profession, by having enough extra cash coming in so that way when you do lose your job or when there's another set of lockdowns or something, you don't even have to touch the emergency fund because you're still working, because you have cash coming in through multiple active and passive streams. He really diminishes the entrepreneurial angle for most people. And I think it's funny because Dave Ramsey did not get rich because of the Dave Ramsey method. Dave Ramsey does not take his own advice. Not that he's contradicting himself on anything, because he's he, he fulfilled all his own steps. That's how he got to the point where he was like, I've got something I could teach people. Dave Ramsey became a multimillionaire because Dave Ramsey was an entrepreneur. Because Dave Ramsey was poor, he was in real estate making bad decisions, he crafted his baby steps and got out of debt and started building wealth. And then he wrote a book and used the book deal to start a radio show and started the radio show to write more books to which he put back into the radio show to which he built a business, to which he started getting paid to go speak places, to which he bought another company that does real estate, and then another company that does um, uh, in investing in financial advice, and then he built courses, and then the courses brought in people, and then he started paying, you know, he, he started get, uh, certifying people to be Dave Ramsey financial coaches, and he does all these things, and he owns multiple income properties and rentals. And it's like Dave Ramsey's advice will not make you like Dave Ramsey. And, and to his credit, he's not saying you're going to be like him. But the entrepreneurial factor is what basically made it so that we all know his name. And that cash flow is ultimately king. Cash is king, but cash flow is king. I mean, there's, I mean, he says all debt is bad debt. Mm. Is it? Is it? Let you decide that one. But more importantly, other than these reasons why I would basically be disqualified from 
the Dave Ramsey program, ultimately the, the big thing comes down to when you become a Dave Ramsey certified financial coach, you don't get to talk about the things that we talk about on the show. I, I, you know, I, I meet with clients all the time for digital marketing services and for also side hustle coaching. I don't give financial advice. I teach people how to create passive and active streams of income. They're two different things. I'm a side hustle coach. If I were a Dave Ramsey certified financial coach, all that stuff would basically have to end because in one way, shape, or form, all those things contradict his things. And much, much like anything else, when you buy into somebody's program like that, you're not selling yourself you're selling that personality in the program. And that if you're not 100% on board, if you're telling people, well, you know, he says this, but you could really do this. One, that's disingenuous to yourself. Two, that's also not good for his brand. It's not good for you. It's not good for him. So why would I go into a relationship with anyone with any, for any reason if I already know that I can't deliver 100% of the same belief? It doesn't make sense. So I'm not saying that you should not go hire a Ramsey certified financial coach. I'm just saying that I can't be one because I don't agree with everything. I mean, I don't even agree with 100% of things when it comes to religion. You think I'm going to go ahead and agree with everything when it comes to my money? Come on. So... You know, it, it's one of those things where it's like, it's okay. I think a few years ago, I really wanted to be one because I really, you know, eat, slept, and breathed Dave Ramsey. But I'm doing fine in my life. I'm avoiding debt. You know, I'm investing more than 15%. I'm doing a lot of things that are helping me. But more importantly, a lot of it came through entrepreneurship. It started with side hustles. Then it grew into side hustles and accepting advertisers when I built a podcast. Then it came to copywriting and becoming a better copywriter and taking part-time jobs and starting to learn affiliate marketing and starting to teach people the things that I learned how to do, like set up a podcast. Then it turned into writing books. Then it turned into teaching people how to self-publish books. Everything came through entrepreneurship. Now now I'm teaching businesses how to develop marketing strategies. I'm teaching people how to build side hustles based off their talents and their interests and their time commitment, where they want to focus on more active or more passive. The Dave Ramsey method will absolutely, 100% of the time, get you out of debt and get you on the track to retire at 65 and live comfortably. But as I mentioned at the top of the show... I'm not looking to retire at 65. I have a long life, hopefully. There are things I want to do. He's saying you could be a millionaire in your 60s. Why can't you be a millionaire in your 30s or your 20s or your 40s? I speak to people all the time from all around the country, different ages, different career fields, at different stages in their life. And I don't believe that any of you are exactly like the other. That's why I also go ahead and remind people that if you want one source cheaply 
where you can get a sample for all the different ways to make extra money on time and see what suits you best in a community of people who are doing these things so you feel like you're not alone, you need to sign up for Hustlers University 2.0. The link is in the show notes. You want to learn how to copyright like me? Good. You don't? Fine. There's a, there's a bunch of other things you could do where you could start making money immediately. That's not me trying to sell a product. That's me bringing you into a program that I myself am a monthly paying member of. And I've been side hustling and learning for years. And I still open up my app and go into the different lesson plans to refresh myself and look at the regularly updated teacher's notes and look at the comment threads and all the different stuff that's constantly being updated. And this thing is paying for itself. I was already a great side hustler. Now I'm even freaking better. You go to a fitness trainer to learn how to get fit. You go to a nutritionist to learn how to diet. Why wouldn't you go listen to millionaires on how to make money? Think about it. If you're thinking that now's the time to stop thinking and take some action. Hustlers University 2.0. The link is in the show notes. Sign up today and I'll see you inside. Otherwise... Be good, be safe. I'll see you later in the week. Good night.